Thank you, Todd. Uh, I do, it's, it is amazing to know that I've known Todd since he was 13 years old. And uh, so it's a long time. In fact, uh, at, he came to the camp that we did and I was a, a youth pastor in another camp. And so he quickly got our attention, kind of like Jesus did when he was 12 years old. Because <laughs> all of a sudden we're all gathered around here. Look at this 13 year old prodigy, okay? Look at what, we knew that he was special. I actually missed him by one year being his youth pastor, I believe. Isn't that correct? When I came here, he had just graduated from high school and was at Baylor, but I knew him, of course, and quickly enlisted him to come be one of my master teachers because I recognized talent for sure. And by the way, he was quite a good basketball player. Did you know that? They probably didn't know that, did they? <laughs> well, I just told him you were good. Anyway, love Todd, love him. I, I was so excited when he came here to Truett. I thought, what a great addition to this this seminary and thanks for the great leadership you do here appreciate you man it's been great um i have been a youth youth minister for a long time in fact i'm actually retiring i'm actually retiring at the end of the summer kind of gone where no one's ever gone before because i really don't know anybody who has stayed in the trenches working with kids all the way through retirement i've had friends who moved on to do denominational work or go to teach but I just always wanted to be with kids, love kids, and so I just kind of kept on going. When I hit the 60s, I don't mean the decade, but my 60s as an old, old, older person, I kept thinking, that's kind of getting a little too old, and I said, God, what should I do? I still like this, and I, I said, really, basically, I just need to be able to still like it, but still be effective at it. And so it's kind of cool to watch as we went through that decade and just see how God continued to grow and flourish our ministry. So it's pretty cool. By the way, I gotta mention, Abby, it's one of my kids. <laughs> Congratulations, that's great. You got 250, the other guy got 18, 20, what, 38,000? <laughs> Seemed quite a bit of a disparity there, wasn't there? <laughs> Could have given her a gift card or something else. You know. <laughs> anyway, so I'm retiring. I decided, I announced it in January. Uh, uh, when I told the kids, they all went, no, no. And I said, shh, listen, I'm 70 years old. That's really old for a youth pastor. <laughs> they don't have any frame of reference. They've never known anything different, okay? And so they just go, well, youth pastors are always old. No, they're not. They're usually young and pretty and cool. And, uh, and I told them, I said, I want you to think of it being like I'm like Moses who's taken us through the wilderness 30, 38 years, almost 40. And we saw some great things happen. And then now Joshua's going to come and take you into the promised land and to the land of milk and honey. And I'm so hope, I was hoping that I don't have to die on the mountain before you guys go in there. <laughs> kind of hoping that doesn't take place. But I picked this passage, and I, and I want to just kind of dig in this for a little bit. I've got, I'm all over the place on this talk, okay, because I thought, man, I'm, teach, I'm speaking at Truett. I'm going to tell them a few things that I really want them to hear. So just get ready for that. Uh, Psalm 37, verse 25. I have been young and now I'm old. That is perfect, isn't it? <laughs> I have been young and now I'm old, yet I have not seen the righteous forsaken or his descendants begging bread. All day long he is gracious and lends, and his descendants are a blessing. Depart from evil and do good, so you will abide forever. For the Lord loves justice and does not forsake his godly ones. They are preserved forever. But the descendants of the wicked will be cut off. The righteous will inherit the land and dwell in it forever. The mouth of the righteous utters wisdom and his tongue speaks justice. The law of his God is in his heart. His steps do not slip. When I started at my first church, I was your age. 
I was young, but now I'm old, like King David here. And, uh, and as, he, as he makes this statement, he gives us a perspective that I share as well, the perspective knowing that God has given us a chance to see how he is blessed. And I've never seen the righteous forsaken or the descendants not have their needs met by God throughout the years. And that perspective has been something really special to me. I've actually, listen to this, you ready for this? I've worked with teenagers in the 70s. Can you believe that? 80s, 90s, the 2000s, the 2010s, is that what you call that decade? The, now I'm into the 2020s for a couple of years. That's a lot of decades, okay? A lot of change. And throughout that, God has always given me the perspective that he will always be faithful. And even though there's been so much change, in many ways there's been very little change because the needs are still there, the need for Jesus, need to be discipled, the need to, to have their emotional and, and uh, spiritual needs met. Uh, those have always been the same. It's always been the same. You know, perspective is so important. In fact, perspective is everything. It really is because with these kids, their perspective is being uh, tainted by the voices of the world and their idea of what truth is, is has been distorted as well. I was uh, leading a uh, caravan of vans up the Baja Peninsula from a mission trip that we had in Ensenada years ago. And it's a beautiful drive on the Pacific coastline. And we're driving up. And as I was driving, I looked over and I saw some islands out in the distance. And I just thought it was kind of funny. So I said, you know, I didn't, they say on a clear day, you can see the Hawaiian Islands from here. Look. And everybody started laughing. And then, but two girls didn't laugh. They believed it. And uh, uh, Michelle and Shauna immediately went, you gotta be kidding me. And so everybody on the van went kind of played along and they were there taking pictures and talking about it, chattering about the Hawaiian Islands. Uh, they weren't the Hawaiian Islands, they're 2,700 miles away from the Mexican coast, but they still believed it. I don't think I ever, ever told them that wasn't true. <laughs> because for them, they were employing their reasoning skills which probably weren't still a work in progress and it just made great sense to them because there there's islands, Pacific Ocean, our youth pastor has said they're the Hawaiian Islands, so why not? It reminds me of the cartoon I saw one time where the boy has written on the chalkboard, two plus two equals five. And the caption says, I know it's not right, it's just how I feel. And boy, does that ever capture what's happening in the world we have today, you know, to help these kids find truth and proper perspective is such an important calling. That's what God's calling has been upon my life as well. You know, perspective is worth its weight in gold. Uh, you know, the question is, is the glass half full? Is the glass half empty? Uh, is it twice as large as it needs to be? You know, it depends on your perspective. One person sees trash, another person sees treasure. Uh, we all need, in whatever ministry we go into, we need to climb, always climb up to a higher, clearer level of perspective. And this verse here reminds us that the period of youth is frustratingly brief. It really is. Just like that, you'll be up here talking about retiring from your ministry. And so that's what happens. It's kind of cool if you think about it. It definitely is. Um, you know, it's, it's much quicker, by the way, if we, if we uh, don't stop and take notice. You want to slow time down? Stop. Take a look and see what God is doing. That's whenever you put a pause on, on how quickly it is speeding. And then we begin to realize that we are seeing from, from God's perspective. And the closer we come to seeing from God's perspective, the better we are because God sees Jesus looked to the Father all the time to see what he was doing and what he should do. And that's the way we should as well. I remember my daughter was playing soccer at the Woodway Family Center when she was five years old. 
and uh, you know, all the parents over there, and there's this little bunch of kids, they just follow the ball all around. But she got lucky in one of the games and she scored a goal. And she kicked it in and we all went crazy. She looked, you know, what do kids do? They always look to see if their parents are watching, right? And I went, good job. And so that was cool, we were excited. A little bit later, uh, she collided with a member of the other team, a little girl, and she fell down. And she stopped and helped her get up. And she did, see if I saw that? I went, good job. So from that point, from then on, as she looked at her father to see if he approved, she equated those two the same. Scoring goals or helping kids up. And so she stopped trying to kick the ball and started looking for kids to help up so she could get the thumbs up from her dad. You know, it's a beautiful picture of what we're talking about, of just trying to see from God's perspective. And uh, perspective is so important because especially as ministers, as we're trying to participate in kingdom work, you know, verse 26 says, all day long he is gracious and lends. All day long he is gracious and lends. This gracious word means to be favorably inclined towards or to lower or bend the head or body as in a nod or a, or a bow. And just as we've been recipients of grace, we have to be dispensers of grace as well, inclining ourselves to others. I like the very little first verse of 2 Corinthians chapter 4 where Paul says, Therefore, since we have this ministry, as we received mercy, we do not lose heart. Therefore, since we have this ministry, as we receive mercy, we do not lose heart. We have this ministry. It's been entrusted to us by the Heavenly Father. and We are called to finish this job assigned to us to participate in kingdom work. You know, when I was your age, there was a staff floating around that said that 80% of ministers don't finish in the ministry. That was back then. Now, I was trying to look for something that would kind of verify that today, this day and time we live right now, to see what was happening there. I, I saw one stat that said that only one out of 10 people who go into ministry actually retire as a minister. Wow, that's crazy. Another stat said that 50% of people who go into ministry don't last five years. And then this one from Barner was, was startling to me. It said that 38% of current ministers are seriously considering quitting the ministry. And you think about that, you know, since we have this ministry, we should not lose heart, but we should finish what we've been called to do. And I, you know, that's an encouragement for you guys as, as your calls are being refined. You know, I think if your calls kind of being etched in wood, kind of burning wood, uh, and so it can wood can easily be destroyed. Or also, it can also be refined. Hopefully, what you want to do is you want to keep moving to your call is refined by fire, and you can continue to move in that direction so you can finish strong. I think one of the reasons that so often ministers struggle is because we find ourselves in a skimming mode. Because in ministry, you have a lot of relationships are divided into draining relationships and replenishing relationships. And if you're, you're consumed by relationships that drain you, but you don't have people who are replenishing you, become emotionally depleted, and that's whenever you start having problems in ministry because you become depleted emotionally, you become vulnerable, you become isolated, and then you just want to do something to feel good. That's why we see moral failure in ministers because they just have become so empty because they've been skimming. They're not being replenished by those relationships that they have a chance to do, uh, to be involved in. And that's a very important thing because if we're going to finish strong, and we've got to think about these things and take care of those. T.S. Eliot said, I don't believe one grows older. I think that what happens early on in life is at a certain age, one stands still and stagnates. 
And, and I would add not only standing still, but also proudly standing straight and forgetting how or refusing to, to incline ourselves to others in acts of graciousness. Uh, seizing the opportunity to, to be involved in kingdom work will always give you a point of view. It's guaranteed. And it's kind of cool to stand to the side and see it happen. You know, one thing that's sustained me is I've done that. I've just watched this party going on around me because you can't even begin to imagine how many kids I've crossed paths with. I mean, thousands and thousands of kids. And I remember every one of their names. Uh, not true. But I remember one time standing in an airport in Ventuk, Namibia, 20 high school kids. We were finishing up a mission trip. Have you went with us on to Namibia? Didn't you go to Namibia? Yeah. Not this trip. But uh, and we were standing there getting ready to check our bags. And the, the girl in front of us had a Samsonite suitcase. And it had a combination lock embedded in it. And the girl next to me, Colleen, said, look, does that tell how, the, how many miles that suitcase has gone? Because it's kind of like an odometer. I thought she was trying to be funny, and I laughed. Then I realized she wasn't trying to be funny. She was serious. And I was just going, really? You think that? Now, talk, I tell that story because Colleen was this kid who went to this trip, and she was kind of just, just not all there spiritually. She was still a work in progress. But that trip ruined her in a good way. Now, I know that there's a lot of dialogue about mission trips and whether or not legit and if they really are that effective. And, uh, and I disagree with that, that dialogue because I think that many times they're quite effective because she, because that trip, it changed her life completely. She graduated from Baylor later on and, and went and spent three years teaching Muslim kids in Afghanistan. And it goes back to that moment right there. And I got to watch that. I got to watch that. It's just a party. I mean, how, what a blast it is to be able to watch that happen in kids' lives, just stopping and just participating and watching and seeing what's going on. And then in verse 27, it says, Depart from evil and do good so that you will abide forever. For the Lord loves justice and does not forsake his godly ones. Does not forsake his godly ones, or in this case, I'm going to say his little ones. Those who, who are still at a crossroads. And I'm going to just do a quick commercial right here about youth ministry. Uh, Back when I first started, there was a stat that was being paraded around that said that 85% of kids who don't come to Christ before they graduate from high school never will. Do you hear that? 85% of kids who don't come to Christ before they graduate from high school never will. When I heard that, that lit a fire under me. That's it. And that, that became really a focus for me. I said, this is where the action is. This is where the action is. This is it. Now, I'm, I have deep respect for all, the, all other levels of ministry in the church and outside the church. I really do. I was talking with somebody the other day that was, that was working with college kids, and I said, that's cool because, you know, you get to really disciple them. I said, but do you know where the action is? <laughs> high school. Because, man, if they get out of high school and go out in the world, guess what? Man, we're not, we they ne may never be reached. This is where the action is. Uh, I had a girl text me one day, and she said, Bob, thanks you for, thank you for being there during our prime suffering years. And I thought, that's clever. Not that she made it up, but she actually pulled it from a movie called Little Miss Sunshine, where the character is talking to a teenager, and he's saying, you know, uh, high school is a time of prime suffering years. He said, in high school, you don't get much better suffering than that. And I thought, that is insightful for sure, because, listen, high school is harder than it's ever been. I mean, this is crazy what these kids are going through and the difficulties they face. It's where the action is. 
I think about Jesus. Think about Jesus when uh, he saw the multitudes in Matthew chapter 9, and he, he felt compassion for them. And I always think about those multitudes. I think of them like a high school hallway, and everybody's in class, and it's quiet, nothing's going on, and all of a sudden the bell rings, and what happens? Multitudes. I sub at Midway High School occasionally because it gives me access to the campus. It's a blast. I love it. I get paid, not much, but anyway. Uh, in, in between classes, I stand outside the, the door every time and watch hundreds of kids walk by. And, and I see a lot of kids I know, because I, I know a lot of kids, which is kind of cool to see them, but also just look at kids I don't know. And I really sometimes just see them as these multitudes. I go, man, who's reaching these kids? What is going on? You know, there's this little group that we're all reaching. All the churches here are sharing. We've got these group of kids, this kind of inner core group. But there's this bigger group of kids, and who's reaching them? You know, Jesus said that he felt, I mean, they, they said that Jesus felt compassion when he saw these multitudes. In fact, he had this sense of urgency that was just, that was almost making him sick because he saw them as distressed and downcast like sheep without a shepherd. I mean, just beat down by all the things of the world, like social media and dysfunctional families and mental health issues, uh, just without even the strength to even get up. He said, we gotta do something. We gotta do something. This is where the action is, okay? You know, youth ministry, I'm not trying to talk you into being a youth minister, but I'm just saying that that is where the action is and it's what's been my calling uh, ever since 1976. Um, Nothing ever else appealed to me. And I had offers to do other things, but no, I want to stay here and work with these kids. And then last, the last verse says, the law of his God is in his heart. His steps do not slip. His, I like that. His steps do not slip. You know, how, do you, how, how not to stumble? You know, how not to be a statistic? How about someday you're able to retire as a minister Okay, instead of losing interest and moving on to something else, you know, how do we not stumble? How do we keep our steps from slipping? There's just a whole bunch of things there, okay, no doubt about it, a bunch of things that, that, uh, that I can't even go into. But I do know this right here. I'm going to just mention about two or three, okay, because it's like a sermon series. But first of all, this is kind of an odd thing, but I'll tell, I'll tell it to you as young adults, okay? If this is not the way you are, this is the way you should be. Okay, uh, you should, and you're going to think, oh, this is the old guy wanting some respect. Yeah, it is. Okay, <laughs> you should respect those who have been there before you and listen to them. They have wisdom. Don't be cocky. Don't be all arrogant. Don't think you've got all the answers, you know. Don't be that way. It's not the way to be. I, I was at a junior high retreat, and one of my guys who graduated from Truett uh, wanted to play me in a game of tetherball. Hey, Bob, play me a game of tetherball. I said, okay. So I walked up. He's two inches taller than me. He's 19. He's playing club soccer at Bader, a great athlete. He said, go ahead and serve. And so I took the ball, and I just caught it perfect. You know how you can do it? You can catch it. It goes, goes oops. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry about that, Mr. Soundman. Caught the ball, and it went over his head. And when it got back, I just went boom, 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 and beat him. It was over with games like that. He never even touched the ball. And you know what I did? I just walked away. <laughs> he said, hey, Bob, come on, let's do a rematch. I said, no. 
Oh, come on, man, play me again. Come on, now. I walked to him and said, listen, from this day until the day I die, well, I will always be your tetherball master. <laughs> and I remind him of that all the time. He lives here in the town. And I say, yeah, no, I'm not going to play tetherball. I'll just hang with where I just want to know. You know, that's wisdom right there, right? Because guess what? If I'd have played him, there's not a chance in the world I would ever beat him again, okay? But I got him at one time, and that's it. That's called wisdom. And people have been there before. Listen to them. We had a college guy who came to work at our church, and he was 30 years younger than me. And he just wanted to pick my brains all the time. He said, let's go eat lunch. I want to ask you about this and that, so and so forth. And that was the kind of relationship we had. It was cool. He's pastoring a big church out in East Texas now. God has blessed him. That's the kind of person you want to be. We had a college guy who I reached out to who said, hey, listen, we work with students. I used a lot of college kids in our ministry. Uh, you want to hang out? You want to talk about ministry? And he wasn't interested. He wasn't. I tried a couple of times, and finally I realized he just saw me as a, just a monolithic dinosaur who no longer knew about how to do ministry in church. And his ministry has been up and down ever since then. I'm not saying that's the key, but that's important. That's important. Think about that. That's a really weird thing to talk about on how not to stumble, but try to shoot for that. You know, a couple of things. Be committed to doing the right thing no matter what ministry you do. Do the right thing, do it consistently, and do it with excellence. Whatever it is you choose to do, you know, do the right thing, do it consistently, and do it with excellence. And it will pay off every time if you'll do that. Whatever the right thing is, you got to figure out what that is. You know, for us, the right thing is a lot of things like hang out with students, you know, uh, go to choir concerts and football games and meet them at common grounds and stuff like that. Just keep doing it consistently and it'll pay off. Uh, whatever ministry you choose, do the right thing, do it consistently and do it with excellence. And then last, this last thing I want to say, be accountable. If you want to not stumble, be accountable. You know, surveys indicate that ministers who have been moral failures, every, every last one of them had no accountability in their life. They had become isolated. They had become an island to themselves. There was nobody meeting with them and helping them be accountable. This morning at 7.30, I met with my accountability group. We meet almost every Tuesday. We've done it for years. We sit around a table, and we talk about a book and talk about Scripture, and then we ask each other tough questions like, have you looked at something you shouldn't look at the last seven days? Have you lusted after another woman? Have you been uh, uh, critical in your spirit to other people? Just these tough questions, and we ask them over and over again. Accountability is so crucial. And every time I'm set in a symposium with other ministers and we start talking about different things, I always bring up accountability. And I'm always amazed how few of those people have any sense of account no accountability whatsoever. They're not meaning, oh, I talked to a guy on the phone every couple of weeks. No, that's not it. You need to sit across from somebody eyeball to eyeball and just ask each other tough questions and keep accountable. That is how you cannot stumble and your feet will not slip. And let me just close by saying this is my point of view on some different things, but, but maybe something here is helpful to you as you continue on in your life because I want you to finish strong in what God's called you to do. Let's pray. Father, I thank you for time to be here, and thank you, God, for the way these uh, students have listened so attentively. God, I thank you that they are here to study and to serve, and I pray you will bless their studies. And, and also, as you do that, give them vision and passion for what you've called them to do. 
God, we just pray that you'll bless them, especially as the summer comes and the things that are ahead. Thank you, Father, and let me pray. Amen.